I have another music or package planned, but I am going to cancel that because I want to talk. <laughs> Last two Sundays, I've had to cut my message short, and, and I'm finally getting to the good stuff. And so um, I want you to, uh, I want to take the time here this morning. We've been reading through the book of Proverbs. Are you finding good stuff? You're finding practical stuff that can help you every day. On Friday, I went to Prince Albert and I visited with uh, Alana in, in the prison there. And she was telling me about this, this one lady that, um, you know, that, that is in her dorm. And, and uh, I said to Alana, well, what, what are your living conditions like in there? She said, well, there's 20 of us in this dorm. We're in metal bunks. The bunks are about two feet apart. They're double-deckers. You've got absolutely no privacy, and, and like, it's a hard place to be. I said, what do you do? Well, I sit on our bunks, and, and, you know, like, not a whole lot to do. But anyway, there was this one lady there that was being rather obnoxious, and, and Alana says, like, I'm having a hard time dealing with this person, and, and so pray for Alana, pray for Ken, because God has put them in this situation, and, and, and you and I, if we have someone we don't like, you know, we can go to the other side of the street, and, and, and avoid that person, and, and unless it's someone that lives in your house. But, but, you know, for the most part, if there's someone that is nasty or rude or whatever, like, I don't like hanging around you. So, you know, when I see you coming, I'm, I'm going to go, I'll turn the corner. But she can't do that. And so, you know, like, I, and then I challenged Alana, and I did Ken as well, over at, at the Federal Pen. I said, like, read with us, read Proverbs with us, like, like, do this every day for a couple of months. And so I said, Lana, I says, today you would be reading, this was on Friday, you would be reading chapter 11. And so we just kind of went through it quickly. And here's a verse uh, for, for her that I found, chapter 11, verse 12, a man or a woman who lacks judgment derides his neighbor. And, and this woman that, that Lana was having grief with was, was a woman that would talk you know, about people and, and spread little juicy little things. You know what so-and-so did, you know, and then you know what she just said, and, uh, and one of those kind of people. And so here it is, a man or a woman who lacks judgment derides his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his tongue. There's so much to be learned there. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps his mouth shut. And then um, last week, um, after the message, um, Diane Smith was telling me about this little book. She said, have you, you read it? And the book is entitled, The Richest Man Who Ever Lived, and it's uh, subtitled, King Solomon's Secrets to Success, Wealth, and Happiness. And Gary Smalley, most of you have probably heard of Gary Smalley. Gary Smalley wrote the foreword to this book. Now, the guy who wrote this book is a guy that I think he got fired or, or lost six successive jobs in a row. He lost millions of dollars. And uh, then he, Gary Smalley was one of his mentors. And he began putting, Gary Smalley put a challenge before him. And I will put the challenge uh, before you as well. So let me read to you a little bit from uh, the foreword. He said, Gary Smalley writes, in 1974, as I was spending the night at Steve Scott, Steve Scott is the answer, or the author, rather, of this book. As I was spending the night at Steve Scott's small home in Phoenix, Arizona, he told me of his career difficulties. Steve was a little discouraged at the time. 
He had just lost his sixth job since graduating from college four years earlier. It seemed to him that no matter how hard he tried, he couldn't keep a job for more than a few months. He had even tried starting his own business a couple of times, but both had quickly failed. He wanted to know if I could offer him any suggestions. I asked him to let me think about it overnight and we could resume our talk in the morning. After praying about it, I had an idea. I gave him a challenge as we ate breakfast. I asked Steve, how would you like to become smarter than all your bosses? He replied somewhat sarcastically, yeah, right. No, I told him, I can promise that if you will just do one thing, within two years you'll be smarter than all of your future bosses, and I'll bet you'll be a millionaire within five years. <laughs> he thought I was nuts. Then he asked what he would need to do. Here's what I told him. There are 31 days in the month, and there are 31 chapters in the biblical book of Proverbs. Every day at the start of each day, read the chapter in Proverbs that corresponds to that particular date. Sound familiar? Okay, that's the program we're on, right? Read two chapters on the last day of months that have only 30 days. Do that every day, month after month, and I guarantee that within two years you will be smarter than all of your bosses. Do it for five years and I'll bet you'll become a millionaire. Now, here's something I didn't tell you, but listen to this. Do it. I told him to read it with a pen and paper at hand so he could make notes about the knowledge and wisdom he would be learning. I believe that the wisdom Steve would learn for Proverbs would change his life. What I didn't know was that he would then use his newly acquired wisdom to change mine. Steve took up my challenge and began reading a chapter of Proverbs every day. Within two years, he had followed Solomon's advice to find a business partner, and together they launched a startup marketing company. Within a few months, their company was making a million dollars a week. I shouldn't tell you this. Uh, Steve did become a multimillionaire in fairly short order, but that's not the end of the story. And so if you want to know more, you need to find this book and read it. You can't have this one because I'm hanging on to it. Uh, the point is not about making money. The point is about finding wisdom, about making life work better. And that's where the book of Proverbs is so tremendously valuable. The last couple of weeks, you and I talked about heart disease. And if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4, the same chapter that Dave read for us earlier. But I want to camp on the one verse where we started last week. And that is verse 23. Proverbs chapter 4. And verse 23. And it reads this way. Above all else. Well, let's start in verse 20. But 23 is where we're going to camp. Verse 20 says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your hearts, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. We want to talk about the wisdom of a guarded heart, to build on the foundation of wisdom that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and we want to build that. We've laid that as a foundation, the fear of the Lord. It begins by knowing God. 
doing what God says, applying his principles, applying his laws, his rules, his advice to our lives. And on that foundation, we want to build the wisdom of a guarded heart. The Bible says that we are to guard the heart. Why? Because it is the wellspring of life. Now, I didn't know what that word meant. What is a wellspring? And if you go to some of the other versions, you will find that it means the source. Uh, the New Living Translation says it determines the course of your life. The message says that's where life starts. In other words, literally it means that it defines the outgoings or the borders of your life. In other words, it defines and it determines our life. Our heart is what determines what makes our life work. It, it governs our life. It is, it is everything that you and I think and do has to do with the innermost being, our heart. And so the Bible says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life, my heart. That, that physical pump that goes thud, thud, thud in my chest, actually it goes pew because I've got a leaking valve in that heart. But, but that determines my life. It determines the quality of my life. It determines my strength. It determines, uh, it determines a lot of things. My dad, um, somewhere along the line, we think my dad had, had lung damage. And, and when we came to to move to Canada in 1961, we were going to go all together. My mom, my dad, my sister and I, we were all going to come together. My sister was getting married. Uh, and in, in, in order to be able to do that, we had to be examined by Canadian doctors and to be approved by the Canadian immigration people. And so my dad, uh, they discovered through x-rays, he had some spots on his lungs. And so they said to us uh, that my sister could go or the rest of us could go but they wanted to observe my dad for a year to see if the spots on his lungs would change. And so uh, my sister went ahead of us. She got married, and then we arrived a year later. And, and the spots on my dad's lungs didn't change. But my dad, especially as he got older, he would, he would, he would puff. You know, he couldn't climb. If he would climb three steps like this, he would have to stand up at the stop top of the steps and he would have to stand there and puff for a little bit and we thought well dad's lungs are hooped and then one day he went to the doctor and they discovered dad had some heart issues and they put a pacemaker in him and it was like you take put new batteries in something it was unreal but his heart started working better you know, and, and it became, it, it determined it, that dad had a spring in his step and, and he could walk and he could climb stairs. I mean, God gave him another eight months, which was fantastic. But I mean, like, like you know, like it, it was really cool to see that. But, you know, we, we thought it was a different issue, but it was his heart that determined it. And it's our heart that determines the course of our lives. Sometimes we have heart disease, but we don't really know it. And so I want to give you this morning 14, count them, 14 symptoms of heart disease. And then we want to, if we've got time, I want to give you some rules for heart keeping. How can you guard my heart? The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart. How do we do that? Okay, so let's go with heart disease. How do I know what kind of heart I have? And Jeremy, you need to fire some verses up here. Uh, one of the first symptoms of heart disease is to have a scheming heart. It's Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 and 18. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, and there's a list. But one of them is a heart 
that devises wicked schemes. Some people in their hearts, they seek ways, they, they scheme, they think of ways to scam people, of, uh, of doing different things, of, of getting rid of whatever it else. But some people, they're always scheming. Whether it's you, you want to make money, whether it's you want to defraud someone, and so one of the symptoms of heart disease is a scheming heart. And you might sit there and say, well, I'm a good person. I would never do any of that. But how about this? Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 15 and 28 verse 26. There is, it says, the way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. There are those who have a self-confident heart. In other words, I don't need to go to God. One of the things, and, and many of you that have had small children have probably faced it, but I, I remember when one of our girls was little and we, you know, I'd say to her, here, let me button your, your sweater or, or zip your jacket. And, and her response was, I can do it my own selfish. You know, and, and, and you've had your kids say that to you, I can do it myself. Like, you know, I don't need your help. I, I'm not, and, and sometimes, you know, well, of course, we would, we're way too polite to say that to God, but we just don't even ask, right? We just go ahead and do our thing anyway. Do we have Proverbs 28, verse 26 there, Jeremy? He who trusts in himself is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. Sometimes one of the things that Steve Scott says in this book, when he trusted in himself, he admitted to being a fool when he didn't seek advice when he didn't look for God's counsel, when he turned away from the principles of God's word, it turned into disaster. And so another one of the symptoms of heart disease is a self-confident heart. Number three is a heart that is deceitful. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 20. There is deceit in the hearts of those who plot evil, but joy for those who promote peace. Do you have a deceitful heart? Do you sometimes you say one thing and do something else? Do you sometimes promise things and don't deliver? Another symptom of heart disease, and, and some of us probably fall into this category, is that of an anxious heart. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. Uh, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. And then chapter 17 and verse 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Are you worried? You know, there, there's a, it's a joke, but, but, you know, why pray when you can worry? Um, you know, my, my wife will ask me sometimes, you know, I, I'm choked because I've, I've lost something and I'm, I'm upset about something. And my wife, being a great woman, says to me, well, have you prayed about it? I don't particularly feel like praying at that time but I need to. An anxious heart. There is such a thing as a sick heart, number five. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life, and I know that some people struggle with that. There is a heart that is self-deceived. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 8, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. Sometimes we deceive ourselves. We say there's nothing wrong. When there is something wrong, we deceive ourselves. We say, well, I'm doing okay when I'm not. Some of you are bitter. Chapter 14 and verse 10. Each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one else can share its joy. Sometimes we carry this bitterness around within us. It's a cancer 
that destroys us from the inside out. It's like, like holding a grudge. It's been said that holding a grudge against someone is like letting someone live in your head rent-free. People will, will carry that around with them for years, a bitter hearts. Then another symptom of heart disease is to have a backslidden heart. I know all about that. I've been there. The backslider in heart will be filled with own ways, but a good man will be satisfied. Um, and in the Hebrew, it means someone who is backsliding or a backslider in heart, someone who is faithless. You know, we're there sometimes, like, uh, you know, uh, we get busy, we get carried on with life, and, uh, and we wind up sliding backwards. We're not, as a Christian, you don't stand still. You go forwards or you go backwards, you don't stand still. Some people have a problem with a proud heart. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 5, Everyone proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord, though they join forces, no one will go unpunished. And then the next one, Jeremy... Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Some people refuse to humble themselves. Another symptom of heart disease is to have an empty and shallow heart. Proverbs 18, verse 2, a fool has delight, uh, has no delight in understanding but in expressing his own heart. And Proverbs talks often about the, the fool who vents whatever is in his heart. Sometimes we have an unclean heart. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 9. Who can say, I have kept my heart pure, I am clean and without sin. And all of us are there at one time or another. Some of us are stingy at heart. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. Do not eat the food of a stingy man. Do not crave his delicacies. For he is the kind of man who is always thinking about the cost. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. Don't be stingy. If you're stingy, you have a heart disease. It's interesting sometime, if you want to know about wealth and riches, Proverbs says, uh, if you have stuff, you need to share it. You don't need, if you hoard it, you will lose it. If you share it, you will get more. It's a strange thing. It's one of the paradoxes of the Bible, but stinginess is probably one of the worst things. That, and we excuse it sometimes because the world says, I need to hoard my stuff. Sometimes we say, the best thing that, you know, the best thing, that I can do with money is to save it. The best thing that you can do with money is to give it away. That's why God gives it to you. If you're liberal with it, God will give it back to you. If you're stingy, the Bible talks about in Habakkuk, God says, you don't put me first. You put your money in your pocket only to find out that it has holes in it. Stinginess is a symptom of heart disease. There are those whose hearts are unruly. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 28. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. You say, I can't help myself. That's just the way I am. Yes, you can help yourself. And then there's a heart that is in pain. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 13. And even in laughter, the heart may ache and joy may end in grief. And some of us carry pain around, even on a day like today. I know that some of you are feeling pain, and your today is, an, is not a good day, and that's one of the realities of life. And even though there's healing, like Bree said, you know, the doctor operated on, on her brain, and, and some of it went well, and, and there's still pain, and we trust that God will continue to take that pain away. But those are the symptoms of heart disease. 
And if, there are, if you qualify for one of those, then you need to say to the Lord, Lord, I've got an issue here and I need to fix it. I need to learn. I need to grow. I want to go beyond heart disease, Lord. I need to get better. I need something. Okay, I, I have problems with my heart. I am on, on medication for the rest of my life because there are issues with my heart. Now, the reality is, the good news is, that if it blows up, I'm done. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's, that's what I'm facing. And, and that doesn't bother me. Um, you know, there, there's this threat, and, and next month I have to go and, and get some of the stuff measured again because they say, well, like, I'm, I'm within two millimeters of getting things fixed. And then they say, well, if, if you get it, you know, like if you get to the two millimeters, guys, you know what a jiffy sleeve is? You know, I get a jiffy sleeve is what, what they're going to do to me. But if I make it, if I don't make it, like, it's over, you know. But, but there's an issue with my heart. I know that. So how do I guard my heart? There are certain things that I have chosen not to do anymore in terms of my physical well-being. I still play hockey. I still get out and do a lot of things, but I, I won't do the drop of doom or whatever it is when the fair comes to town in July here because they tell me that that could really aggravate things. So I'll try and be good about it. How do you guard my heart? What are some rules for heart keeping? How do I fix this? Okay, bear with me. I'm going to cut into your time a little bit, but A&W stays open till what, 11? How do I guard my heart? Okay, so here are rules for heart keeping. Let me give them to you quickly. Number one, apply your heart to understanding. Proverbs chapter 2 and on, verse 22 and on, or 1 and on. My son, if you accept my words, and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Oops, go back, Jeremy. You go back. Okay, if you apply your heart to understanding and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, now the next one. And if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. How many of you have watched the shows on the Discovery Channel? There's one called Bering Sea Gold, and there's another one called Gold Diggers. Okay, now these guys are searching for gold. They're the modern-day Miners, they spend money, they spend months, they spend all kinds of effort to find gold. Okay, you and I will read a chapter out of the book of Proverbs, say, okay, that's done, and put it away. The Bible says search for it. Search for it. If you look for it as for silver, and search for it as for hidden treasure. If someone gave you a treasure map, and said there was a million dollars buried somewhere in Nippon, and if you find it, you could have it. Would you look for it? Would you say, oh, that's nice, and put it in the drawer? Apply your heart to understanding. Number two, you observe and you obey God's laws. Chapter 3, verse 1, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. Proverbs 19 and verse 16. 
He who obeys instructions guards his life, but he who is contemptuous of his ways will die. How do I keep my heart? I observe and I obey God's laws. Rule number three. This one you know. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. These were the verses that were given to Kathy and me at our wedding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Rule number four. Immerse yourself in God's word. Soak it up. Immerse yourself in the word of God. Proverbs 6, verse 20, my son, Keep your father's commands. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them upon your heart forever. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. For these commands are a lamp. This teaching is a light. And the corrections of discipline are the way of life. Immerse yourself in the word of God. Rule number five. Remember we said one of the symptoms of heart disease is stinginess. Rule number five counteracts that. You do acts of grace and mercy. In other words, you share. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 17, the merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is, trouble, but he who is cruel rather troubles his own flesh. Rule number six, choose your friends carefully. Be careful who you hang around with. Proverbs 12 and verse 26, the righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked leads them astray. New Testament said, bad company corrects good character. Be careful who your friends are. Number seven, okay, one of the symptoms of heart disease is a sick heart or an anxious heart. Uh, one of the ways of counteracting that is to cultivate a happy spirit. Proverbs chapter 15, a happy heart makes the face cheerful, but the heartache, but heartache rather, crushes the spirit. The discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. All the days of the oppressed are wretched, but the cheerful heart has a continual feast. There is always something good in everything. Could always be way worse. <coughs> Cultivate. Okay, Cultivate takes work. Cultivate a happy spirit, rule number seven. Here's rule number eight. Learn to control yourself. Self-control, one of the ways of guarding your heart like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Rule number nine, let God search your heart. Okay, give God the freedom to walk through the inner rooms of your life, all the rooms that you like to keep closed. Maybe there are some areas in your life that you don't want God interfering because if he does then you'll need to make some changes. A lot of years ago, uh, somehow or another, in, in, in spite of my, where I was in my Christian walk, I felt this need to go to Bible school, to Bible college. And so uh, one day after, after logging was done for the winter, I uh, hung around for a couple of weeks, and I said to Kathy, I says, you know what, I'm going to borrow an airplane, and I'm going to fly out out toward the prairies and I'm going to visit some Bible schools. And so we got done with breakup and I lay on the couch for a couple of weeks and drove my wife nuts. And she said, if you're going to go do this, like, get out of here. So I called up one of my buddies. I said, hey, you like to fly. You can help me pay for gas. So uh, 
he came over, and, and one of the places we went to Sexsmith, Alberta, and, and looked at Peace River Bible Institute. And the next thing we knew about, uh, we went to, to Prairie Bible Institute, Three Hills, Alberta. I found Three Hills on the map, and I flew there. Knew nothing about Prairie Bible Institute. So we walked on to, uh, uh, well, first of all, I was going to rent a car in Three Hills. Uh, <laughs> not going to happen. Uh, so we phoned somebody at the school, and they came and got us from the airport, and, and, and we were given this tour around the school, and, and, you know, it's like God said to me, son, this is where you're going to be this fall. Really? You know? Okay. And, and so um, it was during Spring Missions Conference. There were thousands of people on campus. Now, there were things in my life that, that weren't right and that I knew I had to straighten out. But someone, uh, as we're walking across campus and, and the tour was kind of over, they said, oh, the afternoon missions conference meeting is starting. Would you like to come in and, and sit in on the meeting? I said, no cotton-picking way. Because I knew that if I went into that meeting, I was going to have to do business with God. And, and I wanted to wait till September. You know, like, like I only waited till May, Al, so it, it, uh, this was in April that this happened. So. But you need to let God search your heart. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 3. I don't like to do that. The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. Oh, we don't like to do that. Chapter 20 and verse 27. The lamp of the Lord searches the spirit of a man. It searches out his inmost being. Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my ways. And, and you know what? When you give God the freedom to search your heart, you begin to discover freedom within yourself. God knows my deepest secrets, and he still loves me. God knows the, the, the corruption. The heart is deceitful. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, desperately wicked. Who can know it? But search me, O God, and know my heart. Lord, test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What a powerful prayer. It's dangerous because when you let God walk through the recesses of your heart, say, Lord, see if there's any heart disease in me. Walk through the recesses of my heart and, and root out those things that are causing grief in my own life and in the lives of my family and in the lives of my church. And then rule number 10. How do you guard your heart? Rule number 10. Commit your heart wholly to the Lord. Jump in with both feet. Chapter 23 and verse 26. My son, give me your heart. Sometimes... We like to hold back. Say, Lord, I'll give you 90% of my life or 80% or 20% of my life, but there's this little thing that I want to keep for myself. I asked one of my friends, and I don't know where your treasure is. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart is also. I asked one of my friends one time, would you give your children to the Lord, and he said no. But sometimes you need to take your treasures, 
and say, Lord, I've been hanging on to this, but there it is. And sometimes when you put that there, God says, thank you for the offer, but you can keep that. And sometimes God says, I'll take that. When I was in Bible college, my two greatest physical treasures, other than my wife and my children, were my commercial pilot's license and my truck driving license. The truck driving license earned my bread and butter, had for many years. The commercial pilot license had all my ambitions and goals and hopes and dreams tied up within it. Some of you know about my fascination with airplanes. There's an electric helicopter sitting on my desk in my office. I was flying it in there, but I banged up some of the walls, and so they got fixed. Thank you, Brian. But when I was in Bible college, I read the story of King Hezekiah. And Hezekiah got a very nasty letter from the enemy. And the letter basically said, we're going to wipe you out, Turkey. Like, you know, you may as well give up because there's way more of us than there are of you, and we're going to wipe you out. And so Hezekiah, when he read that letter, he kind of went in his heart. And so he took that letter to the temple. And the Bible says he spread it out before the Lord. And, and Hezekiah said, you know what, God, this is your problem, not mine, and I need you to do something about it. And he did. And that night, like, God put to death like 35,000 of the enemy, just poof, just like that. Problem disappeared. And I thought, you know what? If he can do that with his problems... I'm going to do that with my treasures. And so I took out my commercial pilot license and my truck driving license, and I put them side by side. I said, okay, Lord, there it is, my bread and butter, my hopes, my ambitions, my plans, they're there. And so God took the commercial pilot license, and he said, I'll take that. And he said, the driver's license you can have because you still need to learn a few things. Right now I'm so sick and tired of driving. My greatest fear is that I'll have to drive truck again sometime down the road. But I'm, I'm not ready to let go of my license yet. I still have it because uh, it's kind of like my, my security blanket, you know, in case God doesn't work out. Yeah, right. When you commit your way wholly to the Lord, put 16 verse 2 up there, Jeremy, please. All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, 
and your plans will succeed. Another place we're told, the mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And you know, even at my ripe old age, I know I'm not as old as some of you, and you like to remind me of that. But even at my ripe old age, I'm still learning things. I'm still discovering things. And yeah, I have some of those symptoms of heart disease. And I need to diligently search out and find the rules for guarding my heart because the Bible tells me to guard my heart because it is the wellspring of life. It is the source. It's where life starts. It determines it not only the start of my life, but it determines the course of my life. So guard your heart. Guard your heart because it is the wellspring of life. And frankly, it is the best thing that you can ever do for yourself and for everybody around you. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, there's a tremendous amount of wisdom that just got tossed out here. Not my wisdom, but yours. And Lord, help us to listen. Help us to look within our own hearts. Help us to search, Lord, as, as, we, do for, as we would for treasure. Lord, some of us are so concerned about stuff and money and, and, and riches and, and everything else, and, and our souls can be dry and barren. Lord, help us to guard our hearts. Help us to take your word and to put it into practice. And Father, search me and, and search those who open the doors and, and walk through the recesses of my heart, Lord. Expose, rebuke, correct, train, whatever needs to happen so that our hearts might be guarded because it is the wellspring. Our hearts determine the course of our lives and the course of all eternity. Lord, grant us your peace and your blessing this day. Again, we pray for those who are celebrating for Mother's Day. We pray for those who are hurting as well. Lord, grant us your peace and your comfort this day. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.